Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekly Sports Talk Podcast, Episode 16. Alongside Josh Pose, I am Nick Palazzolo. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Nick Palazzolo5 and at Pose underscore Josh. A lot to get to uh, today on the podcast. Jim Boylan is finally gone. Arturis says no more to Boylan. The Cubs, or not the Cubs, the Bulls are now looking for a new head coach. We'll give you the latest on that and who's in line to replace him. The Hawks beat Edmonton in the uh, quote-unquote play-in series for the Stanley Cup final, but Vegas is giving them trouble. They're down 2-0 with a back-to-back on Saturday-Sunday. We'll preview the Vegas series games three and four. The Cubs are still hot. Uh, The Cubs are tied right now, 1-1 with the Brewers, and they're the best uh, team record-wise in the National League. And, And on the other side of town, the south side, uh, the, uh, they got a much needed gut check from Dallas Keuchel. Uh, college football is in a little bit of a mess. Uh, the big 10 canceled, um, and a bunch of college, uh, conferences are unsure of, uh, if there will be college football, uh, this year. So we'll give you the latest on that. And we'll also rank the best sports announcers in Chicago. All that more coming up next here on the weekly sports talk podcast. Josh, uh, before we get uh, like when I woke up this morning, you know, I the first thing I do as most uh, teenagers do, I look at my phone and then I see that uh, Woj absolute nuclear bomb that said the Chicago Bulls have fired head coach Jim Boylan. Your thoughts? I did about the same thing. I woke up and I had to scratch my eyes a little bit. I was like, is this real? I I thought a week ago there was no chance of this day coming but look where we are now there's no more Jim Boylan yeah he, he, and you take a look at it I mean you know uh you know Joe Cowley of the Sun Times he had an article I believe either last week or two weeks ago in what you just referenced in that um you know uh you know the Bulls might be forced to keep Jim Boylan just because of the financial concerns the Reinsdorf owning both the Bulls and the White Sox, that can lead to more, um, you know, dramatic um, uh, monetary problems. And, you know, that that kind of scared me as a Bulls fan. You know, I don't – like, I understand that money at some point in time will be an issue, but I didn't want it to be the issue with Jim Boylan because he's only making like what one point he only made one point six million dollars for this upcoming year that was guaranteed. The Reinsdorfs have paid coaches not to coach for them, um, you know, anymore. I mean, they did it with Del Negro, Tibbs, Hoiberg, right? So it, it just almost feels like status quo. And Josh, when you take a look at it, this is the first coaching search uh, that the Bulls have done, and um, since they hired Tibbs. Yeah, and going off what you just said, they they fired Tibbs on the 28th of May, if I'm not mistaken, and hired Hoiberg on June 1st after saying they were going to go on a search. But like you said, this is first time since Vinny Del Negro got fired that this will happen. And in, it wasn't just the players that hated him, it seemed like, according to Joe Cowley, 
Um, he said that the boiling file with human resources wasn't the greatest and saying that including a verbal run-in with a team chef. If you're the head coach of a National Basketball Association team and one like the Bulls with a nice history, how are you getting verbal run-ins with a team chef? That's not your job. That's a strength and conditioning, conditioning coach's job to not get in verbal run-ins, but talk with him. Not That's not the head coach's job. And, and, and I mean, like, it just kind of goes to show, like, the kind of uh, person uh, Jim Boylan is, right? Was liked by Pax, was liked by the Reinsdorfs, Michael and John Paxson. They were all fond of Jim Boylan. Boylan did exactly what they wanted them to do or wanted him to do. A harder team, stress the defense, right? Lessen the three-point shots, old-timey basketball, you know? But then you take a look at it. He, he had a punch clock for players to punch in like it was a normal nine-to-five retail job, right? So, like, Jim Boylan, I always got the vibe that Jim Boylan was very confrontational, right? Um, so, if, if you have to have a run-in with a team chef, uh, well, that that's really screwed up. There's huge problems when you have that. Just you can't even fathom that. Like, not even a high school coach stoops down to talking, uh, getting in an argument with the JV girls basketball coach. Like, it's basically what that was. Yeah. So it's so just... so Josh, as we reflect on uh, Jim Boylan's. 39 and 84 tenure as the Chicago Bulls head coach. What was your favorite moment of the Jim Boylan led Chicago Bulls? Um, a couple come to mind. Um, first off, the timeouts with 17 seconds and multiple. I saw a whole article on how how late timeouts when they're down by 20, how many times he's done that. And another one was me going to Madison Square Garden. I was – he didn't hear me at all because I was way up in the rafters. But um, booing him when he walked onto the court and walked off the court, that was fun for me. It was like his like third to last game because it was right before the pandemic. And the last one was seeing on Twitter that guy while he was walking off the United Center floor calling him a clown and him just looking up and none of his players defending him. Yeah, that, and and that's the exact moment I kind of point to and uh, walking off uh, probably after another blowout loss because as Bulls fans, that's what we're just kind of used to nowadays, right? Um, but, you know, a fan called him a clown. Jim Boylan kind of stops. He looks at him. Honestly, I thought Jim Boylan was going to run up the stands and just start a fight in the stands. And uh, and then he just walks back to the locker room. But But I'm really going to miss those timeouts, Josh. You know, <laughs> nothing says dysfunctional head coach than calling a timeout with six seconds left down 19, right? Like that, like that, it was the peak of the Jim Boylan, uh, the Jim Boylan era. Oh, for sure. So, Josh, as we take a look at some of the replacements, I know David Kaplan, friend of the podcast, um, he, he's always been here. He was first to report all the way back in November that the Bulls massive change was coming to the Bulls front office. And he was right with Pax being kicked, kicked upstairs and Gar being fired. 
Um, he was also right with the Arturis Karnavisovas. And he says the leader in the clubhouse to replace Boylan is uh, Imi Udoka, who is a uh, assistant coach with the 76ers. I believe we talked about him a little bit in some of our earlier podcasts there. But, um, you know, Udoka is ties with Mark Eversley, the now uh, general manager of the Chicago Bulls. So I, I, I think uh, yeah, AK and Eversley will do their best to uh, – I, I don't expect a quick hire, right? I mm. expect a very uh, long, intense uh, vetting period for coaches, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not expecting a quick, uh, a quick turnaround here with a new head coach as much as that's what everybody would want. But, but AK and Mark Eversley, they seem to have a plan, right? They've always seemed to have a plan. They have a focus on the, uh, developmental side. Um, and, and that's as, uh, an area of the Bulls franchise that has lacked in past years, as you, as you may remember, I believe it was Eversley or maybe it was AK. Um, they only really had one person running their player developmental side in the front office under the Garpax regime. Right. So that, that's a big focus with AK and Eversley. I expect them to take their time with the, with the, uh, coaching search here. But uh, just I, I think Emmy Udoka, he'll be a great I like Kenny Atkinson has been thrown out there. OK, uh, doesn't wow me. Right. Kenny Atkinson is really good at developing uh, Brooklyn. Um, but then Katie and Kyrie went there and then they're like, yeah, OK, next. Like they really weren't. He was all right. Uh, Fizdale's been a name that throws out there. Stephen A. Smith was on first take this morning, and he said, hell no, um, in terms of wanting David Fizdale to coach the Bulls. Um, so, Josh, what are your thoughts on the potential uh, replacement hires to uh, replace Boylan? Well, originally, when this whole thing, when everyone wanted Boylan fired, some one of the couple of people were mentioning Adrian Griffin, Obviously, with what's going on with his wife, accusing him of all this stuff. Ex-wife. Hopefully, ex-wife, accusing him, accusing him of all that. I don't think the Bulls want to be want to be a part of that. I think they won't. If it deems to be untrue, maybe, but that could be a while. Um, another name, and I hope she gets this job. Becky Hammond. Um, I like her. I'm hoping if she doesn't get the Bulls job, I don't know if they'll interview her, but Greg Popovich will be done in the next couple of years. So I'm assuming it's her job to lose at this point, especially, I think, I think she's the, the obvious choice for the Popovich job when that opens up in the next couple of years. Cause she'll have what at that point, five, six years under him. Yeah, um, it could be her. Uh, Tim Duncan's another name. He's also on Pop's bench. So, so Pop's got a couple op, or not Pop uh, specifically, but the Spurs have a couple options in naming Pop's replacement if and when that happens. Yeah, it's just I think, like you said, Ime, Ime oh, I'm gonna mess up. Is Ime Udoka? If I, yeah. Hopefully, I said that right. Yeah. I, I think that will be one of the finalists for sure. Um, I'm seeing that Bucks assistant Darvin Ham is also drawn consideration. Um, I think 
I think it's Udoka's job to lose at this point. Yeah, it, but but I think Ham in uh, Milwaukee, that could be interesting because you look at a guy like Giannis. Giannis, honestly, in the current land NBA, probably won't finish his career in Milwaukee. Can we both agree on that? Yes. Right? So, you know, just another case of a disgruntled superstar. He, Giannis potentially gets put on the trade block. They don't let him walk, right? You know, he, he makes the 45-minute drive south on I-94 to uh, Chicago. And, uh, you know, a former, a former coach of his, uh, Ham, you know, I, I wonder if that could be a play. Um, just looking at it from just a Giannis point of view, the uh, the Bulls really haven't had a superstar like that since the D Rose Jimmy Butler days, right? I think a a superstar like that could be very captivating um, because the Bulls really haven't been able to land the big names in free agency. Sure, they got D Wade a couple years ago, right? They signed Rondo, right? But those aren't guys that are really gonna wow you, right? You're not the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Giannis, the Kawhis, right? You know, it's just one of those things where it's been sad to see as a Bulls fan where people don't want to come and play uh, under the old regime in Gar Pax. I wonder if that changes with a new coach and a new regime. And, and I think, you know, I was listening to some sports talk radio earlier in the day and people were calling into radio stations and were like, if Jim Boylan's still the coach, I don't think I would buy tickets when they let fans back in the UC, right? Because Jim Boylan, everybody no fan. I have yet to hear about one fan that has loved the way Jim Boylan has coached the Chicago Bulls, right? So now they fire him. The Bulls are will have more fans back when they are allowed to um, after hopefully we can get this pandemic passed soon. Um, but I think it's just one of those things that was a necessary move um, in terms of Boylan being gone. It was just a matter of one. And AK... AK will will take his time with this. Like right when he got the job, he wanted to get to know Boylan, right? And, and Josh, I, th- I think that's a, a, an important point to hit on, right? He wanted to get to know Boylan. He didn't want to fire him because of what he was told. He wanted to fire him based on what he could gather himself and form an own opinion on himself. And I, and I think that's that's an attribute to AK and Eversley. That'll go a long way here. Yeah, I um you said there wouldn't be any fans. I think when fans are if I know when it won't be if fans are allowed back in. If Boylan was still coaching the team, I think they'd draw what ten thousand that Maybe. first night because. But now there's hope with the Bulls, and if they land a superstar within the next year, I don't know if it'll be Giannis. I don't think it'll be Anthony Davis, but someone who can push the team a little bit more than Zach Levine, and get them to that eighth spot or that seven or six for the time being. Um, they draw more fans, but I just don't think hey, Jim Boylan was the answer, and thank goodness that he's gone. Yeah, and, and I mean, like I said earlier, it's it was just a matter of time, right? You know, I didn't want the Bulls to go into the next season. You know, the NBA bubble in Orlando is being successful. The bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton are being successful. But I didn't want the Bulls to go into a next season 
where they were forced to keep Jim Boylan because of money. Right. I, I, that was the one thing I feared as a Bulls fan. I didn't want that to be the storyline of the Chicago Bulls. Right. Because the Reinsdorf bought the bills for what? $16 million. And now it's worth $3.3 billion. Right. And you can't afford to pay a coach $1.6 million, which really isn't a lot in the current NBA coaching landscape. Right. So you, you take a look at it and it's like, I mean, I, I just didn't want that to be a big storyline in terms of the Bulls. Yeah. And I think with, and think about Jerry Reinsdorf in the bowl. If Jim Boylan was kept tickets would be $5 and that's, he owns two teams and both teams are $5 tickets. Yeah. Like the White Sox, they, they went, what, three years, past three years of $5 tickets every night? Something like that. It's just, it's, it's nice for a White Sox fan, but you'd like to see the team doing better and had that trouble getting into yeah, games. And, I mean, it's like, would you rather pay $5 and have your team be bad? Or pay like the 40, 45 bucks that everybody else is paying and have your team be good. Pretty sure most fans will will pay the 40, 45 bucks to watch a oh, good yeah. quality product. For sure. Yeah, so Josh, let's move on. Speaking of quality product, let's move on to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they beat Edmonton, you know, great. Uh you know, they were good. Edmonton was Edmonton didn't get off to as fast of as a start. I, I thought they would. Um, you know, the Hawks kind of steamrolled them, beat them three to one in the, I think it was like the, called the qualifying series or whatever. None the, nonetheless, yes. uh, now they have to pay, play Vegas. They're now down two nothing, but, but Josh, here's the thing. They lose game one. Fine. Game two goes to overtime. They lose four, three. Honestly, if I and I want to get your thoughts on this, but if I was Jeremy Colladin, knowing they have a back to back on Saturday, Sunday, what like I understand you want to put your best foot forward, your best group out there at all times, right? That's what you want to try to do to win to win a hockey game, find a way to win a hockey game. But Crow just recovered from COVID. He didn't really have a long acclimation period. I would have liked to see Malcolm Subin get the start in game two. I, I don't know if that would have been good or bad, but but hear me out. You know, Crow in game one and even a little bit towards the end of the Edmonton series, Crow has just not looked right. Whether it be uh, from uh, recovering from COVID or um, not being able to see a lot of shots, stuff like that, right? So – Especially with the back-to-back. Do you think Crawford going through all that he's been through will get the start in games three and four? Or do you I, think it would it have been – I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but to me Crawford really hasn't looked that great. And I would have liked to see Subin get the chance in game two knowing you have a guaranteed back-to-back. Well, sadly, Corey Crawford not even being at his best I think is better than – Malcolm Subban, and you can count on Crawford making those tough saves at the tough time. I mean, he made a few saves in game two. Um, a couple the, – the game one was just a bad game. He was 
he's he's been a little spotty lately, but he he can give you 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 don't know what you're gonna get with him, but he can give you that 41 save performance that he did in Game Four against Edmonton, uh, um, Saturday in Game Three, but you just can't put Malcolm Subban and he's not a he has no playoff experience and especially backs to the wall. I think Corey Crawford is is gonna be your goalie. You don't have the Scott Darling. Um, to have him, I don't know why they got rid of him after the 2015 season. He saved that season. I, I'm going to say that in game one. Um, but the Blackhawks just have to play better. And most of the goals are that they give up in Vegas scores. They're the Blackhawks are just silly turnovers in their own defensive zone. It, it you you got to get rid of those. But yes, I'm gonna go back to say this, and I've been saying it to people. Every time, like these past two games, the Hawks are not that good of a team. They're they're not supposed to be in the playoffs. They're they have a bad coach. You have Adam Buckvist, your eighth, your first your first round pick two years ago, not playing for Alex or something Carlson. There's Lucas Carlson, and he was the one that looked lost, leading to the Vegas goal in overtime. He, he, it's just bad coaching decisions that also piss me off about this team. Yeah, and, and I think Jeremy Colladin really doesn't have much to work with on defense, right? The Hawks' defense we know has been pretty bad this season. That was one of the big concerns I know uh, Pat Boyle, Jamal Mares, and Steve Conroy had who have the uh, pre and post on NBC Sports Chicago before and after every Blackhawks game this season. Uh, that was one of their concerns is that the Hawks' defense really isn't that good. Uh, you take a yeah. look at it, they're getting older, a little slower. Like you said, Volkovis got – he was a hel- a surprise healthy scratch. I believe it was like an hour or two uh, before the game. But you, you take a look at it, but the Hawks aren't scoring either, right? It'd be different if they were losing like 7-6, 6-5 games, right? But a 4-3 game – like, look at Patrick Kane. He, he's he been the most unlucky hockey player, I, I think, ever. He's hit the post three or four times. He five-holed Leonard in game two, but that hit the post. Is like the Hawks are finally starting to get some good shots, but they keep hitting the post, right? That's... Go, Go ahead. ahead. There's just the Strom shot. The Blackhawks have hit a – I think Charlie Meliotis, the Blackhawks insider, nationwide is on your side is what they all say. Um, for NBC Sports Chicago, um, said the Blackhawks have hit the post, I think, 11 times. No other team in the bubble, and no other team's gotten more than six. So, I mean, that Dylan Strom goal or crossbar, Leonard didn't even see it, and he joked about it, um, on Twitter today. Um, it's just it's it's unlucky for the Blackhawks, it's just. It's a one-one series if that puck goes bottom bottom crossbar and goes down bar down. It's just tough. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I, you you look at it and it's like the defense is like I wasn't expecting much from the defense, right? You know, the defense we knew was bad. Their power play has struggled and their penalty kill that's gotten a little bit better here as we move on. But but the defense has just had a lot of miscommunication, right? And, and Eddie Olchek and Pat Foley on the broadcast have said that. 
but especially on the overtime goal, there was in uh, in game two against Vegas, there was just some miscommunication on the defensive side. That that uh, that, but that can't happen, right? I'm no hockey expert. I just like like watching hockey, right? But like. Uh, miscommunications in overtime and the third periods, right? The Hawks played a good first and second period against Vegas. They were able to fight back down 2-0, right? Tie it, right? But then the defense uh, with the miscommunications late has really uh, seemed to hurt them. Yeah, and that's in Lucas Carlson. Eh? That was his his area. And then on the first Vegas goal, you have Doc and someone else just crashing down low, leaving Paul Stastny right wide open. Like, he's going to finish that nine nine times out of ten. But the only bright spot I see in this defense, and I'm going to say I loved watching Keith and DeHaan play. Keith had 28, 28 – oh, just over 28 minutes played. DeHaan played well with him. But Keith is, what, 32? That's insane going near half the game on the ice. And he's the he's the guy that's keeping them together right now. The the defense is struggling, but Duncan Keith getting in front of pucks, laying down on a two on one to block it, blocking shots. And if he had see a healthy Seabrook, I think they'd be in a little bit better shape. But the Taze Sod and Kubalik line, I understand that Kubalik scored in game two, but I mean this line hasn't done nearly the damage they did in the qualifying round series against Edmonton, that's just a problem. Yeah, and I totally agree with what you're saying. But And Crawford, like, the defense isn't good. But, like, Crawford has whiffed on a couple. There was one, I, I don't remember, I think it was game one of the Vegas series, but he just whiffed on a glove side, right? Um, so you take a look at it. Some of these shots, I under, I'm no hockey goaltender. I, I just, I'm a PO in baseball, right? But some of these shots, I think Crawford should be able to stop, right? It's not oh, like sure. it's not like he's getting in, intensely screened, right? It's just one of those things where some of these shots just seem like really routine shots, but but he's not really getting there. So so that that was another part. Uh, of my thing with putting Subin in, maybe give Crawford a day, um, just kind of give him three straight days off, right? Of just to c- kind of clear his head, and then have him go back at it for Game Three was kind of my thought process there. Yeah, and the I, and why is the NHL making Chicago and Vegas play back to back nights? Not even like. 20 hours, I believe, is what they're going to get in between games. And I just you can you can pull that off in baseball, maybe basketball, but hockey and football Well, football's weekly. But hockey, you just can't go back to back. It's just it's just so taxing on the body, especially Sunday being a, hopefully not an elimination game, but starting the elimination games where teams could take a. 3-1 series lead or teams can tie the series. Those games need to be fully rested so it's the best hockey. I, I just don't understand that. But also with Crawford and the defense, and, and it's the offense too, the Hawks' offense, I'm going to start with the offense now, they, they're one shot done. Eddie O said this during the entire first game that they only had like two or three second chance opportunities. 
and then said it at the top of the broadcast game too. It's just it's one shot. Then Vegas comes down and has forty five seconds to a minute in the zone each time, and it's so taxing, especially in second periods where you saw Dahan and Keith couldn't get off the ice, and they were on the ice for two and a half minutes, all just playing defense in their own zone the entire time and unable to get the puck out. And I, I said this earlier, you got to get the puck out. And penalty kill, the penalty kill's been all right. And I don't think there's been uh, – there might have been one power play goal, but they've done well on the penalty kill. The power play's been so-so. I mean, you're not expected to score every single time. But it's just the, the defense just needs to step up. And, and offense does too, just – Get the puck out, allow your defense defenseman to change, and you wouldn't have these problems. Yeah, and I think going back to what Eddie O said on the broadcast is like sometimes they're one shot and done, right? But there's also some shots that they're not taking, and that is also frustrating. I would rather have them take a bunch of shots and have them not go in, but at least they're taking the shots, right? I I I I'm 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 a big fan of being aggressive and and. Just being aggressive in all sports, right? You take a look at it. There was a shot, I think, uh, by Jonathan Taze, the captain, where he just didn't shoot, right? And, and, and I think especially you, you're not going to score if you don't shoot, right? I think in game one, the Hawks went 10 minutes without a shot on goal. That's that's an issue, right? So I think the, the Hawks just need to put up more shots and not make Leonard feel so comfortable because the more shots you put up on Leonard um, or another goal, it doesn't really matter if it's Leonard or just another goalie, but like the more shots they face, the more likely one is to go in. Mm-hmm. Right. The more likely they're going to make a mistake. Right. Right. And you take a look at it. The Vegas is putting up a whole bunch of shots and it's leading to some miscommunication miscommunication on the Blackhawks part on uh, the defensive side of the ice. Yeah. And in the third period in game two, the Blackhawks got out shot 16 to six by Vegas. It's just like in the third period, they were just trying to play for overtime. And, and then in overtime, they got out shot seven, one. That is just that's brutal. It's supposed to be overtime. It's supposed to be an evenly matched game. Yes, the the oh, what was that? Uh, Tampa Bay Columbus series. Yeah, that was because Columbus's goalie was playing out of his mind. But Corey Crawford has those moments. But you can't leave guys open in the front of the net, right in the slot, right right on top of the blue paint. Right. So, Josh, what is your final prediction? Hawks are down two zero against Vegas. What's your final prediction for the Hawks series? Um, oh, geez. If the Hawks can win game three, it'll be Vegas in five or six. But if the Hawks lose game three, I think it's Vegas in four. Hater, hater, hater. I don't under, <laughs> I don't appreciate that hater talk. As a lifelong Blackhawks fan, I'm going Hawks in seven. Because why not? I'm not a hater. So, Josh, <laughs> Josh let's, let's move on to uh, baseball. And the Cubs are uh, red hot, getting good quality outings out of their starting pitching. Uh, but, but the White Sox, let's talk about the White Sox because there's less bad to talk about with the Cubs. But let's talk about the White Sox a little bit. 
the what Dallas Keuchel, I believe, had a quote that said, "Some guys are out there really competing, and some other guys are just kind of going through the motions." That's that's not good. No, especially with the young the young guys, you can't you can't get used to going through the motions, and then it just creates bad habits. And a hundred sixty two game season, then it'll be bad. Um, especially the tough loss, like he said. We get we got in at two thirty in the morning. Played a tough ga- baseball game against the Indians. That was just you can't lose those games. You get a solid outing from your ace on Sunday night baseball. You get your first nationally ESPN televised. Remember who you are, and you be, be, you have your be, ace throw because, a gem because because the Cardinals decided to get COVID, so they couldn't put Cardinals Cubs on on Sunday night baseball. But continue. They're going road tripping to Chicago. Yeah, they they <laughs> rented cars. Four, forty-one cars, and uh, they'll be taking I fifty-seven all the way through to Chicago, and uh, hopefully, uh, I think tomorrow, Saturday, uh, that'll be the first day since July twenty-sixth where all thirty teams will be in action. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back to the White Sox. It's just the games that they have to win. Winning that series at home against Cleveland, they got it. They have to start. Getting some reason they're more comfortable on the road than they are at home, but the next I don't think they have another game outside of Chicago because the Crosstown series is this weekend. I believe no next weekend. No, it's next. Weekend. I believe it's it's yeah, it's, it's, com- it's coming up because I know the, it's coming because up. the Sox get the Cards this weekend and then the Cubs get the Cubs and Cards. So I think it's the following weekend. Yeah. So it's it, it's just. You gotta win those. You gotta win the series against Kansas City. You gotta win against the Tigers, but you cannot be blowing these home series against the the Minnesota. Minnesota was a, just mismatched the first weekend of the series season, but you gotta win that Cleveland series. You can't blow that game from the bullpen. Granted, that umpire was just brutal. I'm not gonna get into that. Cubs were able but, to sweep Cleveland. Just saying. It, it just well, it was a two game series, but we're not going to go that far. Um, gotta gotta play but, who's on your schedule, Josh. But um, who do you call it? It's just they gotta they gotta take two out of three, especially with the double header. Your ace pitching, you you got your two best pitchers pitching Saturday Sunday. You got a bullpen game game two, but luckily it's only seven inning games. Um, you gotta take at least two out of three from the Cardinals. They haven't seen a live pitcher in what? Two weeks now, at least, yeah. So you got you have to in those are usually tough games. Those car the Cardinals are a solid team, but you caught them on their worst time. You, you they're not by any stretch of the imagination in baseball shape right now. Other than, well, I mean, they, they had their pitch. I'm guessing their pitcher throwing. You got Adam Wainwright throwing. He hasn't thrown in to a live batter in two weeks, so you should be able to jump all over them. The offense got hot with the Tim Ant- with after Keuchel said everything. You had Edwin Encarnacion finally hitting the ball that next day. Eloy Jimenez, two home runs the last two days. Tim Anderson, a double shy of the cycle, two singles, a triple on a home run. Um, you gotta you gotta pick off. You have two days, you had two days off. You should be rejuvenated. The bullpen should be rested. And you gotta pick up and you gotta take two of three from St. Louis. And take three or four from the Tigers at home, and they're like I was saying. I think the next twenty-one days 
are in Chicago for the White Sox. You gotta you gotta take advantage of that. They've, you've you've played a lot. Of, you've played a decent amount of your home games. You've played nine of the twenty games against the two toughest teams in the division. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to win these home games and hopefully make a strong push for the playoffs right here. Yeah, Josh, I got two questions for you about the White Sox, and then we'll talk about the good baseball team in Chicago. If the Sox, uh, first question is, if do if the Sox do not play well this next seven to ten days against the Cardinals, and I, I think it's the Cubs, are they a playoff team? Second question is why can't why can't their pitchers uh, stay healthy? Don Cooper is that second answer. He's the past few years, and it, it's been around baseball too. It's it, it hasn't hit the Cubs. I I don't think it has at least. Nope. Um, this season, per, like um, this season, there's been like 50 pitcher injuries. Like the tenth of them have been to the White Sox, but um. I just think that this year's tough for pitchers. They they didn't really have that time. Yes, they should have been doing things. But what was the first question? Oh, the yes, the series. If the um, White Sox they, do not play good baseball over the next seven to ten days, are they still a playoff team? In the seven games, what what would there be? What would the record be in those ten days? I don't know. What what would you say? Five and five, four and six. Five and five, four and six, even three and seven. What are the Sox I mean, right five now? Five and five. Because I know what they're ten and nine. They're fourth in the division, right? Third. I thought. I don't know. All I saw was fourth, and I uh, made fun of it to uh, a couple of my uh, Sox friends. Hey, let me see. Oh, let me see. If... Decently tough division. Uh, I think me... Detroit just got moved down with a loss to Cleveland today. Oh yeah, see, they can't beat Cleveland either. Also, I guess they are in fourth with a tie for third with Detroit, but Detroit will end up imploding because they're just not a good baseball team like Kansas City was. Um, five and five, depending on how Detroit does, they should be all right. Um, I. I want to say that Baltimore will at some point just implode on themselves, but 18 games in, they haven't. Um, I'm not really worried about the AL West with all of them being under 500. They're just other than Oakland. Um, I could see the White Sox even going five and five in these next 10 games, um, making getting that wild card spot. Um, especially if Cleveland keeps on winning. I don't know who they play. But I still see the White Sox if they go five and five, but three and seven puts you at thirteen and sixteen. Depending on how well you play those next five games, that's your season right there. Yeah, and we take a look at the um, Sox next uh next ten. They got the Cardinals for three, the Tigers for four, and then they travel to Wrigley next weekend for three. It, you I wanna say six wins. And I want to say steal one from the Cubs, hopefully, in that series. Take three from the Tigers and take two from um, the Cardinals. I wouldn't – that'd be a perfect scenario for me. Six and four wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, and I mean, as we, as we slowly transition here to the Cubs, you know, the Cubs have been hitting on all cylinders, right? 
the bullpen is starting to find itself, and that was my big concern. Uh, it's it's on record that my biggest concern is the bullpen. Kimbrel still isn't right. They're still trying to work out there. But they're 13-3 and three right now. They're down 4-3 to three in the bottom of the sixth inning currently against the Milwaukee Brewers at home. Um, but you take a look at it, the, the Cubs, you could argue, is the best team in baseball right now because of how good their starting rotation has been. There's, I know uh, Chatwood had a clunker against the, the Royals. That's going to happen. Um, you know, especially with off the, the historic start that the Cubs starting rotation has been in the last couple of days, you Darvish almost went seven shutout innings uh, last night in game one against the Brewers. You know, this... hey, the Sox swept the Royals. The Cubs didn't. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll 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 take thirteen and three and a non-sweep of the Royals over than the ten and nine and the Ricky Renteria three led White Sox. Josh, let's not get too excited now. All right. I mean, but back, the next, back the to second best team is nine and eleven. Back to the best pitching rotation in Chicago. You know the the Cubs have just been firing on all cylinders and timely hitting in in the late innings. Um. You know, you take a look at it, the lineup has been kind of producing. KB and Rizzo still haven't got hot yet. KB's dealing with a ring finger issue and a wrist issue after making a diving catch in left field uh, the other night in Cleveland. I feel like that keeps coming up. But, hey, the Cubs found a way to win a game in Cleveland. Don't remember the last time they did that. Um, But, you know, you you take a look at it. This Cubs team, they're rolling right now. And I think a lot of credit has to go to David Ross, who has just been having them fire on all cylinders. And last weekend they didn't play, so Anthony Rizzo was on record of calling it like a mini all-star break for them, right? You know, they didn't play because the Cardinals kept having players and coaches test positive for the coronavirus. And you take a look at, like I keep saying, the starting rotation has been good. The bullpen has been okay. They've kind of re- rebounded from the beginning of the year. Um, you know, the, Jeremy Jeffress has been a, a great surprise. R- Rowan Wick has continued to dominate. Casey Sadler is starting to find it. Uh, Kyle Ryan is looking pretty good from the left-handed side. But but now you look at it, now you got to play two doubleheaders against the Cardinals. You, you need five starters in three days. I know Al- Adbert Azale. Uh, Justin Steele, Colin Ray are all potential uh, options there. But but I think those uh, five games in three days is going to be a huge uh, determining factor against the Cardinals just because of the back-to-back nature of it, right? That's basically five games in 72 hours. That's a lot. Even though four of those games will be seven-inning ball games, But, like, the bullpen might be a little bit depleted, depleted. But, you know, it, it'll really show who this Cubs team truly is. And I know some people, a lot of Sox fans will make the case that, well, the Cubs really haven't played anybody. Sure, but you got to play who's on your schedule. The Cubs have been able to take care of business, right? They've, they've lost to the Brewers, the Royals, and I think they dropped the game to the Pirates because why not, right? You know, you're no no team's gonna go sixty and 0, 13 and three is a great start for the Cubs. The rotation has been really good. You Darvish has been fantastic, except for his first start. Alec Mills has been great. He started tonight, went 
Uh, six innings, I believe, and you gave up four. The Cubs look to rebound right now uh, at Wrigley right now. But John Lester has been really good. Kyle Hendricks has has been great, right? So, so unlike the White Sox, Josh, the Cubs rotation has been really good as opposed to the Sox. You know, the only consistent starter in the Sox rotation has been Dallas Keuchel. Uh, but then again, they've also had a bunch of injuries to deal with. Yeah, and the the White Sox they have a little bit of they have Dylan Cease pitching better. They have Lucas Giolito pitching better. I mean, they'll turn it around at some point. But you said something about you said the the five games in three days that the Cubs are going to be playing. It definitely is easier, and I'm guessing you'll agree with this with the universal DH that they can do a bullpen game at home because they don't have to worry about the pitchers hitting. So they can do that bullpen game that AL teams take advantage of since they don't have to have them pitch or hit. Yeah, and, and I mean, you take a look at it. The DH has been wonderful um, in terms of just uh, teams being able to have more flexibility because now you can afford to have a starting pitcher have a shorter start be, and you don't have to worry about him being able to pitch three or four innings just so he can get an at-bat in the lineup so the next guy won't have to take an at-bat, right? That's a good luxury to have. And, Josh, I want to get your thoughts real quick before we move on to college football. Is What are, you, what are your thoughts on the extra inning rules? Um, runner on second, starting in the 10th inning. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not a huge fan because they're trying to speed up the game, but Usually, and you saw it with Cubs, Pirates, and then you saw it with White Sox, Indians. Those starting on second, guy rounding third, coming home, and bang, bang, play, you make the game even longer because you're going to have to have a review. So, the, and in the White Sox case, yes, it went um, to a rain delay, but they were long innings, so it would have offset. I think it would have been the same amount of time um, if – the White Sox scored another run and then had first and second one out with a new pitcher coming in, but let's not talk about that. Um, I, I just despise it, to be honest. And, and to start with no outs is just – I can't fathom that because it, it, it's just so easy to – I'm not going to say it's so easy to score because some teams are unable to, but it just makes it so easy to score. You get a bunt over, you get a pop fly in, or you just get a single – if they started with one out man on second, I'd be a, I'd be a fan of it more. Wouldn't I wouldn't like support it a hundred percent, but I would support it. Um, but just no outs just frustrates me. Yeah, and and I and I totally agree with everything you're saying there. I mean, I'm I'm kind of old timey baseball. Don't mind watching a three three and a half hour four hour game. That doesn't really bother me. I'm not going to be old man, get off my lawn kind of thing. Old man yells at clouds, right? You know, but, but uh, you know, it's something I'll probably use, get used to because it'll probably continue. But, Josh, let's move in, uh, move on here to a more uh, controversial topic um, in a sense. Uh, you know, college football. The Big Ten canceled. I believe it was the uh, Pac-12 also canceled their fall season. Uh, so Josh, do we play college football at all this year? 
Well, before I get into that question, don't forget about the Mid American Conference, the Maction on Tuesday nights. How could I? Um, how could I forget? I can't. You can't, can't forget Maction Tuesday nights. Sorry about that. Um, my but, my formal apology to anyone I offended for not calling the Maction Tuesday nights uh, for college football. Um, I think uh, this is a tough question. Will the Big Ten play in the spring? I could see it better than if they were starting two weeks from now. And I was talking to my dad tonight saying two weeks from now we'd be having college or high school football. And he said, how would we have been able to do that? With the state we're at right now, we had People would put a damn mask on. Maybe that would make people put a mask on, but it's just the Big Ten has the best chance playing in the spring. Yes, there would be no for unless everyone cancels and they figure something out. It'd be for no bowl season or just like a like a you could do a shorter season with like a bracketed like a six team bracketed like a conference championship type thing would be cool. Um, the SEC, it, it's you have three things guaranteed in Alabama. You have Death, taxes, and Alabama football on Saturdays in the fall. Roll damn tide. Yeah, it's just – I don't think they'd be able to live without college football in the fall. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they play seven games this year, and that's about it. And hopefully they can get it – get through it. But the first death that happens, what's going to happen? Are they going to just shut down immediately? Or first case and – it spreads Auburn plays Georgia and Georgia plays Alabama and Alabama plays LSU and LSU plays Texas A&M. And are they just going to have to shut down or what are we going to do? Are we going to play through it? Cause that's just the sec way. And no one really thinks coronavirus is a huge thing in, down there. We'll have to see there, but I, I just don't know how they'll so how they will survive without a lawsuit. Yeah, and and I think here's also the tricky part about, like, the Big Ten moving uh, football to the the spring, right? It's going to be really tough on some of those athletes to play two football seasons in the same year, right? Mm Because if you get in, if you, like, tear your ACL, break your leg, God forbid if that were to ever happen, that'd be terrible. But that knocks you out for the rest of that season – and maybe even in the fall if we're back to normal. But who knows? That is a long way down the road. But it's still something to think about, right? You know, how much can you expect to play two football seasons in the same year? Like, as cool as a fan's perspective as that be, I don't know if that would be a quality a quality play. Mm-hmm. So, in the Big Ten cancels, and Nebraska and Iowa were the two schools that wanted it to happen. And Nebraska well, talking I'm, about I'm, okay. finding right, a way. Josh, we, we need to back up a little. Of course, Nebraska and Iowa were those two schools. There's literally a football there's nothing stadium, 4,000 miles of cornfield, and then the next person, right? Okay, that's why they voted for a season. And, and, and the I don't know if it was Scott Frost or the – Nebraska athletic director said, we're going to play football in the fall no matter what. And yeah, copy old tag. Kevin Warren. And Kevin Warren said, 
Kevin Warren said they won't be asked back if they leave and go to another conference. That the Big Ten can survive without Nebraska. Nebraska football isn't what what it used to be. And I, I, I tried to tell someone on Twitter, Nebraska football is basically Indiana basketball. It's it's talking about the past and hoping something cool happens in the future and it's hyped up and everyone shows up to the games thinking that it's 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 the 1990s or in Indiana basketball cases, 1970s, 1980s. It, it, they don't – and Indiana has more to the Big Ten than Nebraska does because they came from the Big 12, what was it, nine years ago. They haven't done anything for the Big Ten. <laughs> they, they sold out football games, but they've gone five and seven the past two years. It, it, they aren't very good. They aren't going very anywhere. They get ranked every every summer, and all of a sudden they're four and eight, five and seven each year. Yeah, and I mean, just not even looking at it. I mean, I think it's just more of a safe. And Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields have been two proponents of playing football this year because, honestly, and I I completely agree with them, as much as I want to see football, I want it to be safe, right? Um, But at the same time, some of these kids will be, if they're not playing football, they'll be put into a worse situation than they would be if they were to be remaining on campus playing football, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things where it's like it's going to be tough for a lot of kid for some kids to go back to a worse situation, um, just to just because they couldn't play college football. Be, be, because and, and, and I know this is even the case for some high school football players. Football is a, a, a life changing and a life saving sports for some kids. Right. Sometimes sometimes it's all kids work for and it kind of gives them a break from the from their home life in a sense. Right. So you take a look at it and it's like just one of those things where I I, I hope there's college football in some form. I don't care whether it's SEC, Mac for all we know. Right. You know, just I I just want it to be safe. Right. So I, I don't want colleges to come in like the southern way of doing things oh we'll be all right we'll uh, rub some dirt on it and be okay this is one of those things where you can't just possibly like rub dirt on it and move on and act like it's not a thing right it's just one of those things where you, this needs to be thought out and this is where not having like a general commissioner uh, of all over college sports kind of hurts the NCAA also with no players union or no no money involved for the players. They can't do a bubble because then it's violating everything they've tried to do. Um, but I don't think a bubble of the NCAA basketball, Mark Emmert, the, I think, I don't know what he is. He's the leader. He's the president, I think, of the NCAA. He said they're, they're talking about a bubble and March Madness will be back 2021. Yeah, that's wishful thinking, but it, do we really think that in November, December, that time, we'll be at a better state than we are now with with it being cold the winter time? I I, I hope so, but I just don't know for a fact that cases will just drop and we'll be able to open things back up and basketball players will be able to box each other out, screen each other, um, and not in the bubble scenario, not in the bubble. Yeah, it's one of those things where this virus is kind of unpredictable, right? Nobody really knows what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, who it's going to happen to. 
right? So everything is just kind of left up in the air until it finally happens. And I think if people don't wear masks, if, if, if they don't social distance, this is where we get start getting into an issue. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, you put in our little uh, Google Doc spreadsheet, the best sports announcers in Chicago. So uh, talk to me about this. So we're going to we're going to split it up between TV and radio, because I think Chicago is one of the best. And I, I don't listen to New York or L.A. or any of those. But I just think. The, the, I don't. The I don't want to people... listen to New York because you know they'll just go on about how bad the Mets bullpen is and how good the Yankees are. So I, that, yeah, so that just get annoying. So for TV, so you have the Bulls with Neil Funk and Stacey King. Adam, Amin. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna go with like last year. Okay. You have the Blackhawks with Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek. Um, you have the White Sox with Jason Benetti and Steve Sohn. And then you have the Cubs with Len Casper and uh, Jim Deshays. And then radio, the Bulls have, um, oh, man. Chuck Swirsky and Bill Winnington. Chuck Swirsky and Bill Winnington. You're welcome. Um, Blackhawks have John White and Troy Murray. The, I'm going to go back with Ed Farmer era with White Sox, Ed Farmer um, and Darren Jackson. And then the Cubs with Pat Hughes. I don't know who is Ron Coomer. guy is. Ron Coomer, that is disrespectful that you are disrespecting the great Ron Coomer. I'll, but as a suffering Cubs fan, I, I will I will pardon you. So, Nick, give me your Bulls. Or give me your TV first. TV. Uh, yeah. Uh, TV. Uh, I think one has got to be uh, Pat Foley, Eddie Olchek. Love me some Edzo. Love me some Pat Foley. They make the game very interesting. Very entertaining to watch. I, I, I love every time Edzo gets uh, a national game with uh, Doc Emmerich, right? Um, you know, that's uh, one of those things where I just – I'm a big fan of Edzo and Foley. Number two, I'm going to go with my boys, Len and JD. Cubs crew, Cubs TV crew, I just think they do a fantastic job balancing it between the game, real-world things, a lot of – Side commentary, stuff like that. I think Len and JD are one of the best broadcasting duos in the business. Number three, uh, give me uh, Neil Funk, Adam Amin, Stacey King, however you want to divvy that up. Uh, you know, the Bulls basketball isn't great, but Stacey King, I think, provides great analysis uh, from a former player. And Neil Funk uh, did a great job. And now Adam Amin, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Adam Amin, a very versatile broadcaster. Um and uh, in fourth place, you know, uh, gotta go Benetti and Steve Stone. Steve Stone, yeah, he's okay, old timey baseball guy. All right, Benetti, he's okay. I mean, Benetti does a good job college football, baseball, and I mean, I don't, I'm not a big Benetti guy, but you know, yeah, he does an okay job. Nothing spectacular. I mean, if I had to watch a game with Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, I'd do it won't enjoy it but i mean that might just be the cubs fan in me but steve stone the former broadcaster for the cubs way back when is okay nothing special so mine of course i'm gonna go with um the blackhawks with pat full pat foley and eddie o nothing beats those two guys going with each other i'm not a huge fan of steve conroy when pat foley can't be in the united center or wherever on the road um Number two, I'm going to go with Benetti and Stone. I like how they work together. They work so much better than Hawk Harrelson and Steve Stone did 
Um, Steve Stone kind of got, got rejuvenated with Jason Benetti. He's the younger, younger version. They they do the nationwide jingle together. They 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 like to relate to each other, even though they don't really have much relate to. Um, Jason Benetti, I think he's pretty solid at 36 years old. Um, his story's amazing, having cerebral palsy. Um, so there's that. Three, I'm gonna go with Stacy King, Neil Funk. It's just I want to go higher, drive home safely, Chicago. It's just the catchphrases that I love. And then fourth, I'm gonna go with the Cubs all, just because of the lack of listening to them. I don't. Sorry, to I, hear I, that. I don't really listen to them Sorry all the to time. Sorry to hear I'm, that. I'm not. It, it's just the truth. I don't want to put them at number one, even though I don't really listen to them. Well, I mean, so, I mean Foley and Edzo does. Foley and Edzo do a do a great job. So. So radio, oh, we already no, we didn't go over radio. Um, so the Bulls, we I think we already went over this for some reason. Um, Swirsky and Weddington, Blackhawks. Oh, I already went over this. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the radio. I didn't even do the TV. Uh, let's let's go to the radio. Uh, honestly, I don't listen to much radio unless it's to and from. I mean, you know, I I put Swirsky and Wellington. They do a great job. On the Bulls broadcast, they'll probably be one. Uh, Pat Hughes, uh, it's gonna, it's got a chance. Gone. His home run calls great. Uh, Ron Coomer provides great analysis on the radio driving home from a baseball game or practice or something like that. Love the Cubs radio duo. Hawks and White. We're also adding the Bears on here. Yeah, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer. They they do a great job. I really like them. They'd probably be a one A. Uh, 1B, 1A with uh, Swirsky and Wennington, right? Um, you know, Tom Thayer, I really like Joniak. I, I find him one of the most I, – I really like how he does his play-by-play. Really exciting. Uh, really refreshing voice up there in the booth for the Bears. And I don't really care about the Hawks or the White Sox because I'm never listening to them on the radio, so I'm just not going to put them on my list. So mine, I'm going to start out with Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer. There you and it's just every Sunday, Sunday school would get out for me at noon and the Bears would be playing and we'd drive home from Highland Park and you hear Jeff Joniak Bears going left to right and touchdown, touchdown Bears. I I love that. I love hearing that. He's probably one of the best in the business. Um, Number two, I'm going to go with Troy Murray and John Weideman just because nothing beats Troy Murray and John, John Weideman giving a playoff. You, you, you go on, you, you get to search up on YouTube, the Bickle and the Keith and the and the Bowling goals, and at the end of the 2013, and then the the Keith and Kane goals in 2015, and how they were so how excited they got and in 2015 for when they were at home, and in 2013 and 2013 as well. Um, number three, I'm gonna go with Pat Hughes. I love his voice, his analogy, his his knowledge of the game is just amazing. And the way he talks, is just amazing. When I listen every once in a while, number four, I'm going to go with the white Sox. Um, Darren Jackson, Ed Farmer. Yes. They're kind of like the dudes from the Muppets. They were kind of the uh, kind of boring, but um, I think 2017, I got, I got to go in the booth and meet them. Very nice guys. And to see like, how they did it, and then to listen to them previously and um, after I saw it, I get, I got, I got, I 
gained a lot of respect of them. And then with the last one, I'm going to go with Swirsky and Wennington. And again, it, I didn't, I don't really listen to them that often, but it, it, basketball is such a hard game to do radio on. It, it's just so much action and it's not quick action, but it's just a three pointer. You have, you have to watch basketball to understand what's going on in the game. Yeah, that was a good exercise. So I appreciate uh, you coming up with that. But Josh, you got anything else before we uh, take off here? Please wear a mask. I want to go back. I, I, I want to go back to school. I don't want online school starting Monday. <laughs> All right, and that'll do it for episode number sixteen of the Weekly Sports Talk podcast. Thank you for bearing with us for this longer edition of the podcast. For Josh Pose, I am Nick Palzo. Thank you for listening. Wear a mask. Social distance. Don't do anything stupid, and we'll catch you next time.